0: Good morning, Generations Church. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. We are starting a new series this morning. It is titled The Twelve, and what we'll be talking about is Christ's authority and costly discipleship. It'll be a uh, a series of sermons from Mark 3 through 6. And what this first message reminds me of, uh, a lot of you... Are fans of C.S. Lewis and have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you haven't ever read that book, I strongly recommend it. And what this sermon today reminds me of is near the end of the book, and what is going on is that Aslan, who represents Jesus in the book, Aslan is on the move. And the White Witch has turned many of the characters into stone and the time now has come for Aslan to come and set it right. And if you recall in this scene near the end of the book, Aslan goes into a stone statue garden. And there are these characters from the book all throughout the garden. And he begins to breathe on them. And as he arrives, he first goes, I believe he first goes to the lion and he breathes onto the lion. And the description that C.S. Lewis uses is marvelous. He describes it as, uh, it's as if you have a piece of paper and you light a match to it. And at first it doesn't look like anything has happened, but then there's a flicker, and then you see the change, the golden color as it rises, and then poof it flares into fire that's how he describes it. So Aslan breathes on the lion, and at first it looks like nothing, but then he flares into color and into life, and then he goes to a giant and he breathes on the feet, and the giant comes to life and character after character comes to life. Because Aslan is on the move. And the reason I think of that in our message is because what we are talking about today is Jesus as he is on the move. We've already talked about Jesus as he comes onto the stage in Mark chapter 1. And he's nobody from nowhere. Nobody's heard of him. And so he begins to demonstrate his authority. That was our last series. But now is the time he's going from his home territory where he's already been establishing his authority. And he's going to begin to expand his ministry to a wider territory. And what... He needs is a team. He needs people to work with him. He can't just one person complete his entire mission. And so he needs to pass his authority on to others. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to choose 12 disciples, 12 men who can work with him be together with him carry his authority carry his message and begin to expand the ministry and so that's what we will be looking at as we go through this passage what i hope you will do is think about what do these 12 men have in common and what we will say today is that what these 12 men have in common is the same thing that the great Christians from the early church, the time of Jesus, all the way until today, they have the same characteristics. So let me challenge you as we begin the message today. Think about who are your heroes of the faith. You can choose somebody from church history. You can uh, choose somebody uh, from the early church. You can choose somebody from the Reformation, Martin Luther, John Calvin. You can Choose somebody from the 19th, 20th century, the great missionaries, Hudson Taylor, William Carey. You can choose somebody from the church today, somebody contemporary, you can choose somebody. Let me challenge you, also choose somebody who you know. Maybe your mother, maybe a sibling, maybe a pastor or a former pastor you've had, somebody who led you to Christ. Think about these people and ask yourself, what do all of these people have in common? Let's begin to look at our passage. What we're going to see as we talk about Jesus choosing 12 people to pass on his authority is What is he looking at? Motive, why do these people come to Jesus? Method, how can we grow closer to Jesus? And then the response, finally, we'll look at. What is the identifying characteristic of a disciple? Let us look at our passage, Mark 3, 7 through 19. Mark 3, 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idiomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him whenever the impure spirit saw him they fell down before him and cried out you are the son of god but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges which means sons of Thunder Andrew Philip Bartholomew Matthew Thomas James son of Alphaeus Thaddeus Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him let's pray together Lord we pray That you would speak to us through your word we pray in Jesus name amen let's get into this passage Jesus withdrew with his disciples we're looking at the motive and what we see in this first couple verses is that people are coming to him from everywhere and they're coming with all different kinds of motives Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idiomia, the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. Here the picture is, it's the crowd is so dense and they're pushing in on him. And the boat is apparently about the size of a small rowboat. And what we can imagine is that he's kind of walking along the edge of the lake. And as people are pushing in, he's worried that he might be pushed right into the lake. And so the boat is kind of following him along the shore. And if it happens that he's pushed off the shore into the water, he can step into the boat. And so that's this picture of these crowds pressing in. On him because of the crowds, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many. So, why are these people there? Recall, we have um, the Pharisees, we have his enemies, and they want to trap him in our. Previous uh, passage, we saw that they have decided they want to kill Jesus. He has those people, but he's healed people, so they're coming because they've been healed. There's those who've heard the source. they're coming because they want to see Jesus do a miracle. They may need a miracle for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirit saw him, they fell down. This is so fascinating. The people don't Recognize who he is. They don't recognize that he's the Messiah. They don't recognize that he's the one with authority. But throughout the book of Mark, the demons always know it. The demons know it and they shake. Whenever the impure spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. He's the Messiah. And the spirits recognize that the disciples are going to have to learn it but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him because Jesus has a plan and as I mentioned already he's launching now into that plan he's leaving his home base and he's now going to spread out to a wider territory and he needs new people He needs to expand to multiply his ministry, to multiply his forces so he can reach more people. This next verse is so simple, but this is how we get close to Jesus. This is how we grow. For the disciples, this is something that comes in over and over again throughout the book of Mark I don't have all the places listed but as we go through the book of Mark we're going to continue to bump into passages or just brief mentions as we see here very simple but so profound how can we grow closer to Jesus for the disciples for us today who desire to be like Christ, who desire to grow in our relationship with Christ. How do we do it? Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. We need to take time aside. We need to take a breath. We need to go up onto the mountain There are so many ways we can separate ourselves. We might do it just in the quiet of our own room. We might do it just in the quiet of our own office chair in a busy office. We might do it in the midst of a crowd at a busy mall. We might do it by literally going up on a mountain. We might go to a seashore. There are so many places, but we need to find a place where we can be alone, where we can be quiet with our Lord. As I have mentioned many times, my best times, my favorite times are riding my bicycle, and I love to do that. I love groups, I love going on group rides, but for me, that's a different experience. That's fellowshipping with the people together on the ride. But when I ride alone, I fellowship with Jesus. Find that time. Take a bike ride together with Jesus. Go for a walk. Take a minute or ten minutes of your work day at your desk to quietly commune, fellowship with Jesus. So Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. And this is it. They came To him. That made it possible. He called and they came. And we will see now what Jesus has for them their response. What is it that identifies the disciples? What is it that identifies people who have been faithful to Christ throughout all of history? He appointed 12. So let's go ahead and look at these 12 men, the 12 people. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. Oh, we have so many exciting sermons to come because these 12 men are next. They are going to go out and they are going to begin to experience the authority of Jesus on their lives, on their person. It is an amazing story, but here we just see him Choosing. So, among the crowds, people who have come with all different motivations, we see here are some pure people. They're not coming just for healing. They're not coming just to see. They're not coming to kill Jesus. They're not coming with other reasons. These are people who are coming because they want to be with Jesus. And when He calls them, they come. They have this desire. Their motive is to be with Jesus to know Jesus. And so they come. He appointed from those crowds of people. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. We see this is the power of God is going to be on them. Even the demons recognize that they are powerless against the authority and the power of God. And that's the authority that Jesus uses when he commands. Recall when he casts out demons, he doesn't do it in the name of this or that person. He doesn't do it. No, he does it in his own name. In his own authority, he casts out the demons. And that authority of God, he's going to pass on now to 12 men. That they might have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. When we come to lists of names in the Bible, I fear sometimes we might skip over them. I fear sometimes we might, oh, this is the boring part, uh, da, 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 find, skip to the end. And maybe in some cases, if you're reading quickly through the Bible in a year or something, maybe that's acceptable. Maybe it's okay. But let me remind you that every time there's a list, there, the Bible is only so big. The Bible only has so many words. And yet, so many words are used to name people. And so each person is significant. And at the very least, each individual in every list is important to God. And there they are. There they are, saved forever. Because God cares about the world. And he cares about each individual in the world. So we read about God's concern for Israel, God's concern for the nations, God's concern for God so loved the world. But he loves and cares for the individual. So here's a list of individuals one by one, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, son of Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I want us to um, take a moment and consider who it is that he chose. Who were these people? Have you ever been um, on the schoolyard and uh, two captains are selected and they begin to choose their team and so uh, the first captain gets to choose one individual and then the other captain gets to choose one individual to join their team. (laughs) It's always something we hate, right? Because unless we're the first one chosen, which I never was, but unless you're the first one chosen, then you just sit there dying, worried that you're going to end up being the last one chosen, and they start choosing, So this is it, this is Jesus now. So among all the crowds, he's beginning to identify which ones he wants on his team. And probably depends on what uh, he's building a team for. So for instance, if I'm building a uh, spelling bee team, I might choose different people than if I am choosing a basketball team. So the spelling bee team, I'm gonna get the smartest, smartest people. If it's basketball, I'm gonna get the tallest people and the most coordinated people. It depends on what I'm building a team for. So Jesus is putting together his team. What are the characteristics that he needs to be on his team? Do they need to be smart? Do they need to be strong? Do they need to be good fighters, hand-to-hand combat? Do they need to be brilliant? What is it that he is looking for for his team? As we go through these names again, I want you to think about who are they and why are they chosen? And what I hope you will begin to sense by the time we finish going through the list, if this is what he's looking for, why, he might choose me. Because he doesn't seem to have any particular characteristic that he's looking for. These seem to be random in so many ways. And so after we see that he's choosing these ordinary people, people that make us feel like, well, I could, I mean, if that's all, I suppose, maybe, I Could be chosen let's look again at the list the first one Simon to whom Jesus gave the name Peter Peter a word meaning stone or rock Peter had been a fisherman and he became one of the core disciples James son of Zebedee and then there's his brother John son of Zebedee. If you recall, James and John at some point are going to request special places in the kingdom. They have this ego. They have their problem. But they had started as simple men. He had been a fisherman. Uh, John had also been a fisherman. But look at what happens to them. They are people with egos. They are people who were humble fishermen. But James would go on and become the first martyr of the Christian faith. John, he would go on to write the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the Book of Revelation. These were fishermen, but these were among the twelve chosen that day to go with Jesus up onto the mountaintop. Number four, Andrew. Andrew. He was Peter's brother and also a fisherman. He had been a disciple of John the Baptist. We've already met Andrew in our earlier series. He'd been a disciple of John. He left John to follow Jesus. And look what Andrew did. He went and got his brother, Simon Peter, and brought Peter to Jesus. What is the role that you are going to play In the kingdom of God is it possible that all we do is turn around and bring somebody else but now as Jesus is choosing his 12 he's choosing Andrew and he's choosing Peter who was introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew Andrew Philip he's the fourth one to meet Jesus six bartholomew he's thought to be the same person as nathaniel seven matthew We've met Matthew already. He is also known as Levi, and we remember him as the tax collector. Remember, he's the one that would sit on a high pedestal in a prominent place in the city where all the travel would go by, where all the traffic for trade and commerce would go by his little desk. And he sat on his little desk elevated, and you can almost see Levi as he was counting his piles of money. And Jesus came along one day and said, Said, Follow me, and Levi gave up everything he had worked for, everything he lived for in his life, and he followed Jesus. And now we see that Levi, the tax collector, the person who had been a despised outcast as somebody who had betrayed the Jewish people by working for the Romans, collecting taxes for the Romans, he had been a despised uh, outcast, but he abandoned that corrupt life to follow Jesus. And that same Levi... Also known as Matthew, would later write the Gospel of Matthew. We have fishermen, we have tax collectors, we have an interesting assortment of simple, everyday people. Eight Thomas. We often remember Thomas as doubting Thomas. If you recall, um, he doubts jesus after the resurrection he says i want to see his his hands and feet i want proof that he actually is uh alive he's a doubter but he's not without courage he's a man with great courage Uh, And when Jesus determined uh, later on in the story, when Jesus determined that he wanted to return to Judea, and they knew that if they went to Judea, Jesus would probably be arrested, they would probably all be arrested, and they would probably all be killed. And as they are thinking, are we going back to Judea? Even with all the danger, Thomas is the one, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Maybe we shouldn't just remember him as doubting Thomas, but let's remember this as well. When they were all wondering, should we go back with Jesus? I mean, we may all get arrested, we may all get killed. Thomas stood and he said, let us also go that we may die with him. So we see, here's a man uh, who has his doubts who's careful, but he's also filled with courage. Who might you identify with? Another one chosen is James, son of Alphaeus. He's designated as son of Alphaeus to differentiate him from James, the son of Zebedee. So we have two Jameses, and he's also called James the Younger. There's Thaddeus. Thaddeus is also um, known as Judas son of. James, not to be confused with the Judas who is number 12. This is Thaddeus. And then 11, there is Simon the Zealot. And here we probably believe that Zealot, all it does is it indicates his zeal for God's honor. And it's probably just uh, simply an affectionate nickname. Simon the Zealot, he's the one who loves God. Maybe even so much so that he overwhelms his friends. That's kind of what I imagine if this is the nickname they chose for him. What an odd assortment. How did Jesus, when he was picking his team, how did he pick them? He even picked a final character, Judas Iscariot. And of course, he's the one who betrayed Jesus. So as we look at these men, what do they have in common? How do they get chosen to be on the team of Jesus? I think the final answer is simple. These were people who were willing to obey they would obey when Jesus called, when he gave them his authority and sent them out to preach. They were people who were willing to go and to preach. The 12. We're talking about Christ's authority and costly discipleship. Are you someone who is willing to get up and follow Jesus? Are you someone who is willing to obey him? That is the characteristic of a disciple. Think back to the people you were thinking of, your favorite Christians, people from the early church, people from the Reformation, people from the 19th, 20th century, the great missionaries, the great uh, leaders of the church, the great pastors, people you know in your life, in your own life, people like your pastor or your sibling or your parents, people who you admire for their Christian faith. Why are these people selected to be on Jesus' team? It's not because they're great warriors. That's not what they share in common. It's not because they are all brilliant. Some of them are very humble in their intellect. What is the characteristic that they all share? They obey. They obey Jesus Christ. That's the challenge I bring to us in the new year of 2021. Are we willing to obey? Are we willing to say yes and to follow Jesus? And as we do that, let us draw close to him regularly. Go into the mountain and be with him and listen to him and follow him. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come into the new year, Lord, I pray for Generations Church that you would speak to each one of us and call each one of us to a new radical obedience that we would be willing to obey you, to follow you. We pray that you would bless us this coming year bless our families, and bless Generations Church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.